Hello and welcome to the Brain Care Podcast, a practical and impactful series of snappy episodes on how to optimize your mental health and performance so you can reach your full potential. My name is Dan Murray-Serta, and I'm the co-founder at Heights. We make smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help you take care of your brain so it can take care of you. If you're tuning into this episode feeling a little stressed, then fear not, we got you. Or rather, Dr. Chatterjee has you. The author of multiple best-selling books with the number one podcast in health and wellness, he is the go-to man when it comes to stress, or rather, how to alleviate it. So, here's the doctor. Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, how are you, mate? I'm not bad, thank you. I'm having quite a stressful day, actually, Dan, if I'm honest, uh, which in some ways might be a good thing, given what we're about to talk about. Well, it's funny that you're so you're still so British, right? You can't say I'm not doing good or I'm really stressed today. You know, we always have to say I'm not bad and then caveat. Yeah, I guess I guess that first response is often an also partly response, isn't it? It's we we just say how you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, not too bad. It, we 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 almost say that without thinking about it. It's there's no real intention often behind it. And it's something I've been thinking a lot about recently, that when we talk to our friends or catch up with colleagues, you know, are we really checking in to see how they are? Or are we just having small talk? And so you're right, I, it possibly was just an automatic response. But the truth is, it's not been the best day for me. But genuinely, I feel my life's pretty great. So you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna complain. But well, also, no one's going to respect listening to a master of stress who doesn't feel any stress. So the important thing is you're human. Yeah, like everyone, exactly. And I, and I, exactly. Think, I think stress actually is something that is there. I don't think the goal should be to eliminate stress from our lives. I don't think that's desirable. And I don't think it's possible either. So before we get going, just to give our audience some context in case there are some people who, you know, might not have heard your podcast or read your books, um, can you please give us a one minute intro on who you are and what you're about? Yeah. Um, so I am a GP. I've been a working medical doctor now for, for coming up to 20 years. So in that time, I've seen tens and thousands of patients. And it's pretty clear to me that about 80% of what I see now as a doctor is in some way related to our collective modern lifestyles. So what am I about? I'm about trying to empower every single patient of mine, every single reader of mine, every single podcast listener of mine, everyone listening to this uh, conversation or watching it right now. I'm about trying to empower them so that they understand that they can be the architects of their own health. So as I say, most of what I see is related to our lifestyles. I'm not putting blame on people. I understand that modern life is tricky. It's tough. It can be stressful. But I also believe that there are simple things that we can all do each day that make a massive, massive difference to not only how we feel, but also how we perform and our long-term health. I guess let's crack straight into it. So we've got our first work in, which is what is stress and why our brains experience it? So at a high level, nice open field for you. What is stress? Okay, well, I think a useful way for people to think about stress is that it is a series of biological mechanisms in your body that kick into action 
when your body feels as though you might be in danger, right? So stress really in many ways is the desire of the body and the brain in particular to keep you safe. Now you have to understand that stress is a perception. So, you know, it's not the actual thing that happens, the event, because the same event might stress you out and I might be completely chilled about it. Um, so for example, you know, to use a sporting analogy, almost 12 months to the day, I went into open water for the first time and sign up for an event, didn't practice, never wore a wetsuit before, suddenly turn up, I'm in the ocean, realize I can't see the floor and have a panic attack. I can't breathe, I'm really, really scared. And that was my stress response kicking into gear. My body thought I was in danger. But if you put me on the top of a steep mountain in fresh powder and ask me to ski off it, I don't think my pulse will even raise at all because I've done that a lot over the past few years. So my perception of that is this is completely fine. Whereas a seasoned swimmer, an open water swimmer, might have the reverse. In the middle of the ocean, they'll be completely calm. But on the top of a mountain on a ski slope, they'll be stressed. So the point I'm trying to make is that stress is our reaction to an event and stress is our body's desire to try and keep us safe. The problem is, is that we're now being prompted to activate our stress responses, not by things that used to bother us and scare us in the past, like wild predators. It's now our everyday lives. So that's kind of the rough overview in terms of what stress is. But, but I think it's important, Dan, to mention that the stress response is perfectly normal. It's there for a reason. It serves a very, very good role. And the way I think it's easy for people to understand it is if you think back two million years, right? So different era, when we're living in our hunter-gatherer tribes, living a very different kind of lifestyle to, to the modern lifestyle that we're now living in the 21st century, right? Your stress response would be activated when a wild predator was attacking. So you're chilling out with your family, with your community and your tribe, and a wild predator attacks or, or is approaching. In an instant, your body kicks into gear with stress response. So what happens? Your body's blood sugar starts to go up. That's gonna help deliver more glucose to the brain. That's something you want in an emergency situation. Your amygdala, which is the emotional part of your brain, that will go on to high alerts. You're hypervigilant for all the threats around you. That's what you want. Your blood pressure will start to go up because more oxygen will get to your brain. Your blood will be more prone to clotting because if a wild predator was to attack you and cut your wrist or cut your leg, you're not going to bleed to death. Your, the blood's going to clot and that's going to save you. So these things are all really, really helpful. The problem, Dan, is that now in the 21st century in which we live, our lives are busy, we're rushing around, we've got too many things to do. It's not predators that are activating our stress responses. It's our lives, it's our email inboxes, it's our overscheduling. It's the fact that, you know, two parents might be working and one's trying to rush home uh, to pick the kids up, take them to their after school club, come back. Then they might have elderly parents to look after. The point is, Many of us will respond to that in the same way as if we're being attacked. And so those, those responses that help us in the short term, blood sugar going up, amygdala going on high alert, blood pressure going up, your blood becoming more prone to clotting, 
they now become harmful in the long term. In the long term, if your life is stressing you out day after day, blood sugar going up, it's going to cause fatigue, it's going to cause weight gain, and ultimately type 2 diabetes just from being stressed. If you are getting stressed out with your everyday life, your amygdala going on high alert is an appropriate response if there's a predator there. If someone's listening to this and they live in a city, if they're in a, if they're in a city on a Friday night and they're trying to walk on a dark alley home and they feel that there is someone following them, you want your amygdala to be on high alert. You want to be hypervigilant for every noise. But if that's happening day in, day out to your life, well, that's what we call anxiety. So it's the same response in the wrong situation where it starts to become problematic. So stress is not the problem in, it, in, in and of itself. It's if the stress is too much and for too long a period of time, that's when the problem starts to arise. And you mentioned anxiety just then, which, you know, is something that I've personally um, struggled with a lot in my in my past is one of the key reasons behind actually uh, looking into my lifestyle and, and starting this journey, which, you know, contributed to starting heights. What other symptoms do people experience with stress? I mean, anxiety is such an obvious one, but, you know, are there, are there others? Yeah, I mean, it, because stress affects every organ system in the body, you can pretty much have anything as a symptom. And that's... That's not me trying to deflect the question. That's the truth, right? You can have gut problems. Gut symptoms are very, very common. When, when people have gut problems, Dan, they always jump to the diet. Everyone thinks about their diet. And of course, diet is a key, uh, has a key role to play. But I've got to tell you, I think stress is more important for our guts than actually our diet. Let me explain on that same analogy why that might be. If you need to now run away from a predator, as well as those mechanisms that I already mentioned kicking into gear, your body also has to switch off a couple of things, right? It, it switches off anything non-essential to survival. So if you're trying to run away from a lion, you don't need to be able to digest your food. So your body switches off your digestive tract. So often people are getting symptoms, they're getting stomach cramps, stomach pain, a discomfort, um, feeling of needing to go to the toilet, all kinds of issues. Even a food intolerance can sometimes be stress-related rather than diet-related. Another one which people don't think about, low libido. Dan, low libido is something that I am seeing much more today than I've ever seen as a doctor. It's been progressively going up in my 20 years of practice. Stress is the key driver. Again, if you're running away from a tiger, the last thing you need to be able to do is chill out and procreate with your partner, right? So you don't have that drive and that design. Now, of course, there are other causes of low libido, but actually stress is the number one cause that I see. And this is a massive, massive issue because I'm seeing even every week before, before uh, the lockdown, every week in clinic, I would see at least two to three people in their 20s complaining of low libido. It's not just a problem of middle age or older anymore. We're seeing it in a younger and younger age group. So gut problems, low libido, insomnia, inability to concentrate, feeling very agitated, you know, having brain fog, having tension. Like when I feel stressed, Dan, and, and, and I really encourage people to think about this because if you're living your life at 100 miles an hour and you never have any time for solitude each day to actually sit and be with your own emotions and thoughts, it's very easy to ignore this stuff. But I know now 
When I feel stressed, Dan, I get a tightness in my upper right back. And I've had that probably all afternoon and early evening today. And that is a little warning sign for me that, hey, you are now starting to hit your threshold and you need to start taking remedial action. Otherwise, you're going to start to be, you know, ratchety with my children or with my wife or my work uh, quality is going to start declining. I guess being antithetical here, can stress be good for us? Absolutely. We actually need stress to perform at our best. A little bit of stress helps us. There's a, it's like a dose-response curve. So a little bit of stress, you start to get benefit. So for example, your brain. Let's talk about your brain, okay? So if you have to give a talk on stage, do some public speaking, go on a, a webinar to talk about something, right? you actually want to be a little bit stressed because then that's going to help your brain function better. You're going to be able to recall more information. You're going to be able to sort of draw little arguments together. You're going to just perform better with a little bit of stress. Too much stress, on the other hand, you start to get diminishing returns. If you're too stressed before you go on a call or before you go on stage, you're going to go up, you're going to forget your words, your brain's going to freeze. Because again, we know A little bit of cortisol helps your brain function better. Too much cortisol kills nerve cells in your hippocampus, which is the memory center of your brain. This is one of the reasons we now know that chronic stress, so that is day in, day out stress over a number of years, is thought now to be causative in the development of Alzheimer's disease. Right? Let people just take that in for a minute. I'm not saying that to scare people, because I know a lot of people are feeling scared and they're feeling stressed at the moment. But let's be really clear. Many people are worried that as they live longer lives, they may have to suffer with the consequences of things like Alzheimer's. And I've just said that being stressed day in, day out for a number of years is causative in the development right? Alzheimer's doesn't just happen the year before you get it. It starts in the brain 30 years before you get it. And we're going to go for a final question, which is from Vinu, who says, can you reverse the symptoms of stress and its impact on your life? Absolutely, Vinu. There's, you know, your body is, it's always responding to the information you give it. And here's the trick with stress, right? We've not spoken that much about breathing yet, But if I use breathing as an example, breathing is information for your body, right? So when you get stressed, Vinu, or a friend of yours or a colleague, what will happen without you realizing it is that your breathing will change. You'll start to breathe more from your chest than from your diaphragm. You'll start to breathe a bit faster, and the breathing will be a bit more shallow. Now, what does that do? That then sends messages to your brain that you're in danger, and that becomes a feed-forward cycle. So a simple hack is if you change the way you breathe, even for just 20 or 30 seconds, so if you slow it down, if you do that three, four, five breath, you will then start sending signals to your brain, hey, I'm not in danger. Everything is okay. There's no reason to mount a stress response. So you can absolutely reverse the symptoms of stress in the vast majority of cases for sure. (laughs) 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and follow us at your heights on Instagram and Twitter for daily doses of brain care. If you want to know more about how healthy your brain is, you can head to yourheights.com forward slash brain health to get your free score from one to a hundred. See you next time.